ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to set your faith ablaze so that you might live the adventure of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Before we get into today's topic, we want you to know that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us. The easiest way to do that is by email, and the email address is ignition at sfcatholic.org. Again, ignition at sf, that says in Sioux Falls, sfcatholic.org. Um, and welcome, uh, happy to join by phone, uh, Deacon James Keating with the Institute for Priestly Formation in Omaha, Nebraska. Hi, Deacon Jim. Hello, how are you? Doing well, happy to have you, and I'll give the opportunity to introduce yourself a bit more to our audience momentarily. But for those of you listening today, we're going to be talking, Deacon Jim and I are going to be talking today about the spirituality of Lent. Um, If you're listening by radio, uh, when this is airing, um, we're just a couple days before Ash Wednesday. So a lot of us are, are thinking, or maybe even have been thinking already, about what we're going to do for our Lenten penances and that sort of thing. Um, But I think there's another level of what Lent has to offer um, our prayer life, our interior life, than just uh, kind of going through, checking the box, going through the motions of of prayer, fasting, almsgiving. We can go a little bit deeper, and that's what we're going to be doing today on this episode of Ignition with Deacon James Keating. Uh, If you've never listened to Ignition before, my name is Dr. Chris Bergwald. I'm the director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls in South Dakota. Um, Been in that role since 2002. Um, Since 1999, I've been in the role of husband to Jermaine. Uh, She and I have five kids. Um, They're all born and raised here in eastern South Dakota, even though she and I hail from different states, me from Minnesota and she from Ohio. Dickon Keating, would you mind introducing yourself a bit to our listeners? Sure. Um, Deacon Jim Keating, married to Mary Ann. I have four children. Uh, everyone's out of the house now. I've got two in college and then two who have moved on. One is married, one is engaged. And uh, I'm a deacon for the Archdiocese of Omaha, and I am a theologian at the Institute for Priestly Formation, where I help them with their publishing initiatives and retreats and classes for seminarians when they come to Creighton University in the summer, where we run our our annual summer program for uh, diocesan seminarians. And that's uh, IPF is a, a um, an institute that in the programs that it offers. Uh, how long has IPF been around, Deacon Keating? Twenty five years. Twenty five years. Twenty fifth year this year. So more and more, just thinking about not only priests here in in my own diocese in Sioux Falls, but I know other priests around around the country. Many priests have have been trained as spiritual directors, experienced 30-day retreats. Um, how, how do you summarize, Deacon Jim, just briefly talking about IPF before we move on to our topic, what is IPF about in a nutshell? It's uh, helping diocesan clergy to stay in touch with the Trinity indwelling within their hearts through processes of deepening their contemplative prayer. Okay. The contemplative, okay. And, Great, sorry. And in this way, they stay connected to him while they are ministering. So instead of getting burned out and worn out or wondering what ministry is about, they never have those questions arise, ideally, because they are always in communion with him and he is always fueling their self gift to their parishes. 
And by the way, I think the new bishop in Wyoming, Austin Vetter, was also part of our program. So wow. we're kind of filling the Wyoming space, too. That's right. And here in Sioux Falls, our new bishop, Bishop uh, Donald DeGrood, has also participated in, in IPF. And I know many of our priests, again, have, have appreciated the, the experience, the formation that we've received. As Catholics, uh, any, and I think any Christian would, would find what we're going to be speaking about helpful as well. But Catholics in particular, as we're about to begin this, this holy season, of Lent, preparing for the great feast of Easter, and and living out the spirituality of Lent, be more attentive to our prayer life, as many of us are at this time. Um, but Deacon Jim, just to get it, get in, maybe posing the question, which is the topic for today: What is the spirituality of Lent? What comes to mind when you think about that? Primarily, it's uh, the way of renunciation and the way of simplicity. Each year, out of the mercy of the Church, through the grace of Jesus. We are gifted with a whole season of uh, becoming uncomplicated and uh, marveling at the fact that we can still do that through the grace of Jesus after uh, perhaps jettisoning our prayer life throughout the year or weakening it or becoming anemic. We've become complicated. And so each year the Church gives us this season so that we can become simple again through the way of renunciation. What, unpack what you mean by by simplicity or become simple again. Uh, I think many people would think, would think hear that. Well, my prayer life is is pretty simple. I, you know, maybe it's uh, an Our Father or maybe their own prayer. Um, but you're talking about something else, right? The simplicity that we have to get back to is um, it can be in our prayer life. Sometimes we can junk that up too much, but mostly it's about the. Uh, you know, nine to five uh, burdens that we've imposed on ourselves. We have become so complex. Uh, there was a psychologist once who, when his clients left his office, many times in the silence of his heart, he would that question would always arise uh, in grief in his heart, which was, how did this man allow his life to become so complex? And uh, that's where most of our neuroses arises from. Our problems, our difficulties is. We, we choose in a way that takes us further and further away from our vocation, which Jesus has given us to keep us simple. So I am a husband. I am a father. If I stay within the parameters of that beautiful vocation filled with rich depth, and I am missing nothing if I literally stay and go deeper into my spousal and my paternal love, I will be happy because I will remain simple. And this great grace that the Church gives us from Jesus is not fully understood by many of our own um, parishioners, our own Church members, because they have heard the siren calls of Western culture and its popular manifestation, and they have gone the way of all flesh, so to speak, and have become complex. They're wondering, what's outside my marriage? What's beyond my wife? What's beyond my children? What am I missing? What's new? What's next? And so as Americans, we are always complexifying, and then in the end, we'll probably regret all that and go back to where we started, which was basically the honeymoon, me and my wife, me and my husband, and the peace and the happiness that was promised there, uh, if we only would remain simple. Why do you, Dean Jim, why do you think we complexify our lives? What it is that... Uh, what is it that we are... Well, I'll just let you answer. Why do we do that? I think there's a uh, siren call to excitement, to the novel, to the new and the next, 
It's a temptation that Satan whispers into our ears. Those of us who've settled into our sacramental vocation, of course he hates that, of course he doesn't want that to continue, because he knows that we have been obedient to Jesus in answering this call, and Jesus has only given us this call because this is the easiest way for us to become saints. What is? To stay within the parameters of our vocation. Mm. And so when Satan sees people actually loving one another, loving their life, loving their sacrament, he will agitate. And he will agitate in many ways around making a person restless. And so we begin to mistake ordinariness, peace, routine in a good sense. We begin to mistake that for boredom, missing out. Um, and he can then unsettle us with the call to look beyond. Technically, it's the uh, it's the vice of sloth. Yes, he keeps calling us to look beyond where we are, and to keep uh, kind of bugging us that we're missing very, very important things because we only have six hundred channels on our TV and not a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> the the reality of that, Dean Jim, so um, I, I have some of the, we have at our house a couple of the different streaming service, services, and it, it's just, it's become just like the, the, the saying about cable TV, um, there's, there, there's all sorts of things on, but nothing I want to watch. So there's literally these dozens, hundreds of movies or TV shows available at my fingertips, and yet none of them actually interest me. And I, I certainly exactly, don't. and that's uh, that's called freedom. <laughs> freedom is is because we've been satisfied at the wells of the Eucharist. We've been satisfied at the wells of our own sacrament, and we have a discernment in us now, which is um, distinguishing what is worthy of our time as baptized people and what we can take a pass on. And uh, the majority of the popular American culture, we can take a pass on if we are feeding very deeply in our Eucharistic uh, world and in our vocational world. So that's going to get us kind of right into then. So that's how we complexify our lives. And in and, and Lent, we're invited to return to that simplicity, that renunciation. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Ignition. This is a broadcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And on the phone with me today is Deacon James Keating. And we're talking about the spirituality of Lent. And we're just talking about how Lent is this opportunity for us to um, uncomplicate our lives. We, we, we complicate our lives. We complexify our lives. And this is the opportunity to decomplexify our lives, to return to that simplicity of, of uh, as, as you were saying, Deacon Jim, our, our vocational call, um, husband, wife, maybe single person, priest, religious, deacon, whatever it might be, to return to that and the peace and the joy that come within the ordinariness of that and avoiding that siren call of, of boredom, of the fear of missing out, that restlessness, which all is, is about sloth. And um, I don't think I want to take time right now to talk more about sloth, but if we have any time left at the end of the show, I think that's a, I, I think that sloth is, if not the, it's certainly one of the core uh, capital sins of our culture. What do you think about that real quickly? Uh, exactly. It is. It's displaced pride in the normal 
lexicon of sins. It's usually pride is the most evil. In our in our generation, sloth has taken that place. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's kind of the the reality that we many of us find ourselves in, or we're out consist uh, constantly fighting against. And now Lent, which again we're about to begin, is this opportunity for us to return to simplicity through renunciation. So now looking, at, we've talked about what we're turning away from. What are we turning toward during this liturgical season? That's uh, what we're turning toward is the liturgy, because the liturgy is the weak point between heaven and earth, where God most easily reaches us besides our own vocational sacrament. He most uh, easily reaches us at the origin of all sacraments, uh, in the body and blood of uh, Christ. And so what we turn away from is sin, what we renounce is sin, and also sin's attendance, uh, superficial nonsense in the culture, like the way Americans are obsessed with political power, the way the, their imagination has been filled with anger born of political division, uh, entertainment as our only well that we go to, the obsession with uh, travel, with escapism, and, and, and all these other types of attendance sports addiction. These are not in themselves sinful, but they gather around our sins and call us away from relationships uh, that matter, prayer, wife, kids, uh, evangelization, the needs of our neighbors, and they divide us and keep us focused only on the self, either the pleasure that I'm deriving from this experience uh, or the agitation that I'm attracted to when I pay attention to these uh, superficial things. And so we are being called from sin and their attendance toward the Eucharist and the incredible gift of peace that flows from the Eucharist, calms our interior hearts, recenters our mind and our soul, so that we can come to our senses again. If we truly participate in the Mass, we will become more reasonable. We will become more sane. So the, the, I think the temptation, well, I face the temptation, I think many of our listeners, we, I want that, we want that, I want that. What do I need to do? And yet my response to myself, Deacon Jim, is that's precisely the problem. It's not about what I do because I can't do it, right? Right. It's, I mean, it's, it's very simple because God wants everyone saved. Luke 14 says, I want my house full. And that's, that's a promise, and that's a mission. That's God's promise, and that's God's mission. I want my house full. Okay, how's he going to get it full? Is he going to make these things... Uh, complex. We're going to have an arcane secret handshake club. It's very, very simple. We go to Mass, and we open our heart, and it has nothing to do with Mass entertaining us, being interesting, uh, fulfilling us in the core of our being while we are worshiping. It has nothing to do with that. Mass is uh, routinized, it's expected to be the same. It normally should be simple, quiet, filled with the Word of God. 
And if we open our hearts to all of that um, predictable sameness carrying the content of revelation, we will become sane. But what happens when we're at the Mass, we keep imposing American culture on it. I don't like the music. I don't like this guy's homily. I think it's too long. I don't like the architecture. And so we are still trying to be entertained, beguiled, fascinated with new things, while we're in the midst of salvation being offered to us. And what we have to do is just go into the Mass, say, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, kneel down, stand up, sit, and continually hold open a heart that we won't necessarily feel anything happening in, but life is being given to us again. One quick analogy that helps me. After we eat a meal, the food is being changed into nutrients that enter our bloodstream. Not once in my life have I ever felt food change into nutrients <laughs> entering my bloodstream, but it's happening, right. I'm not feeling it, and I'm alive because of it. That's what happens in the Mass. So, so um, as, as again, we're, we're about to begin Lent, so, so maybe the key for my Lent bearing greater fruit isn't about... Um, the the extra penances I take on, although I I, I can and, and should and discern them, um, isn't necessarily about um, the additional spiritual reading that I do, but but maybe what might like make what might make Lent twenty twenty bear fruit in my life is going to Sunday Mass. Ash Wednesday Mass, whatever other Masses I might attend over the course of the next seven weeks, uh, and, and doing just the, this, not looking to be entertained, not even necessarily for me as as uh, intellectually inclined theologian, necessarily to be informed, but to to receive the bread of life, to receive Jesus in the Eucharist, to enter into the life of the Spirit, to receive the gaze of the Father upon me. Yeah, and to be vulnerable to that offering, to be vulnerable to that offering. When married couples go home at night and the day is over, there is only one expectation. She'll be there. He will be there. Mm. That's the Mass. There's only one expectation. If I show up, I will receive who is present. And and that's the, uh, the sort of the apex of it. If I go home and there's a note, my wife has left me, it's desolation. Um, if I keep thinking that when after a day of work and I go home, my wife is there to entertain me or inform me or take me on incredible trips, that's, that's American um, economic capitalistic culture informing your marriage. Your wife is there just to be with you. Communion. Presence. And the same is true with God. When we go to Mass... What are you doing? I'm just making myself available to be in the presence. That's what's promised. That's what's given. And there's no frustration if our expectations are in line with reality. And that, that's real. That's what the Mass gives us, presence and communion.
Amen. So what does it look like then when that's, how does that spill out into my daily prayer life then? What are, what are the things that I should be attentive to so that what I'm receiving uh, in the Mass, in the Eucharist, is not limited to that half hour or hour on that day, but spills out into the rest of my life, particularly in my prayer life? Yeah, and again, just don't complex the, uh, complexify the prayer life so much. We like to, you know, prattle on, as the Scripture says, and we multiply things. Just keep it very simple. What did what is uh, you know the um, uh, the road to Emmaus uh, talking about there? The Word of God. That's all. Uh, your prayer life should consist in short doses of the Word of God, opening the Scripture like we do at the Mass. You should have a crucifix. You should place the crucifix on the Bible. After you're done, you should hold the crucifix, meditate on the two or three lines of Scripture that you just read, touch the crucifix in the wounds, pour your family's needs into his open side, pour your need for health, for friendship, pour your need for a deeper love of him into his open side. Spend five minutes there. And then in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then go on your way. If he wants more, he will grab your attention during the day. But uh, don't junk up the prayer time with new and novel bits or long pilgrimages or buying a thousand new books with trendy prayers in them. What does the Mass give us? The mystery of the cross and the resurrection and the Word of God. And if we extend the Mass, all we need is the Scripture and a crucifix enveloped in silence for five to ten minutes. Five to ten minutes. No more. If he wants more, he will give it to yeah. you. Because a lot of times we set out and say, oh, I'm going to pray for an hour a day. Yeah. Well, that's my idea. Yep. And I'm grabbing it, I'm taking <clears throat> it, and I don't even have the capacity for it but I read it in a book somewhere, or someone told me that's what I should do. Let him gift you with what's next. If we're initiating something, it should be very simple. The five to ten minutes with the Scripture and the crucifix. If he wants to draw you into daily Mass every day, he'll do it. If he wants an hour of adoration, he'll give it to you. Amen. So you listen to Ignition, the podcast from the New Evangelization. I'm Chris Bergwald, your host, visiting today with Deacon James Keating about the spirituality of Lent. And Deacon Jim, just what you were just saying that I'm reminded of of uh, an Old Testament um, narrative uh, account, um, the reality of what happened to King Saul, uh, the prede- David's predecessor, um, and how his downfall began because he seized at things instead of waiting for the Lord to fulfill his promise. The Lord would promise if, promised him something, and yet he, he was impatient and he seized at them, um, and it ended poorly uh, for him. And so often, I think, in the spiritual life, we want to do the same thing. We grab at, we, we, we try to produce we seize or attempt to seize this profound prayer experience when our attitude should be one of of humble receptivity as you said our initiative is is a simple one and if he wants more he will seize us we needn't and shouldn't try to seize him right right i mean the origin of much ministry is neurosis you know i need to do more that's not a call 
Neurosis is not a call. I need to do more. When we uh, see Jesus in purgatory, I, I always think the last first thing he's going to say to most Americans is, why did you do so much? Hmm. Uh, the only reason you're in purgatory is because you disobeyed me. I, I never asked of that. I never asked you to do that. How many people are in crisis because mothers and fathers, husbands and wives are praying, 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 doing ministry, doing ministry, but their kids are falling apart, their families falling apart, their home is falling apart. So uh, lay people are called to the Mass. If all you could do was go to the Mass, you could become a saint. Beyond the Mass, you're called to daily prayers of vulnerable availability to Jesus. Ten minutes in the morning, ten minutes at night, maybe something with your husband and wife, one of those ten minutes, morning or night, and then you discern the rest. You discern God calling you to daily Mass, retreats, new ministries, a mission. Those are all discerned. They are not taken or grabbed at because a lot of times our interest reflects our unhealed emotions, not necessarily a call from Jesus. Mm. You use the phrase um, vulnerable availability. Could you unpack that a little bit? We've got about two and a half minutes to go. Vulnerable availability means that when I am before the crucifix or I am at Mass, I am not playing tapes in my head about me. I have opened my heart to all the pain that's in it and to all the longing that's in it, and I am passively suffering Jesus loving all that pain, all that longing. I am passively suffering Jesus loving everything I think is wrong with me or everything I think is detestable about me my sins, my weaknesses, and I'm just allowing Jesus to love at that point of deepest vulnerability. I am a mess. I am in pain. I am alone. And he's bringing that soul to life through the power of his resurrection. Vulnerable, I'm, bringing, I'm letting Jesus see all that deep stuff. Available, I go to Mass every Sunday where I let him see that stuff. So, so as we're drawing to a close here, I want to go back to the beginning where we talked about, you talked about how this is a season, the spirituality of Lent being a time of renunciation and return to simplicity, um, uncomplicating our lives, uncomplicating our spiritual life. And I really like where, where we ended up going, and this is probably where you intended to go. Uh, but so Lent can be uh, deepening our, our spiritual, spiritual life during Lent can be as simple um, as, as really going to Mass and what you're just speaking about, that vulnerable availability, um, being present to our Lord, present to Jesus, present to the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit, and allowing him, as you said, to love our weaknesses and in so doing to heal them and to heal us. To heal us. Would that be a fair summary? Yes, and if there are any priests listening or anybody who have friends with priests, None of this can happen unless they give the laity silence at the Mass after Holy Communion and silence after their homily. If they don't give the congregation at least three minutes of silence so that the Lord can reach them in their vulnerability, there is an impotency to the Mass. So it's up to the presider to not rush us through to the end of the ritual 
but to let Jesus have his way with us in the midst of these two powerful silences that are in the rubrics of the math, but a lot of priests just rush over them and we don't have a chance to be healed by Jesus coming to us in the silence. That will wrap, episode, wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.